Welcome to the Cascade Church Portland podcast. We're a church that works to be both safe to be and safe to grow through our commitment to intentionality, diversity, curiosity, prayer, and advocacy. Enjoy! So for the sake of transparency, if you are wondering if I have an agenda today, I totally do. Let you know. Um, I like to psychoanalyze Bible characters for funsies. And I like to push therapy on people. So that's where we're headed today. Just wanted to let you know where we're going. If you were here last week, you can remember that Scott and Kurt led us through our own funerals. I had two thoughts about that. The first was, how do I follow that up? Where do you go from there? And the second was, that was a really great conversation in my head to figure out what is my value? What are the important things that I need to focus on and spend time with and let the other stuff fall away? And so I love that. It was really great. I feel like they were really playing up the spooky Halloween thing, um, but existential crisis? A little far. That's, that's a little too far. One, one of the greatest disappointments in my life, uh, I'm going to start really heavy here, was when I was a child, I thought that when you became an adult, say 25, 30, you have arrived. You are done growing. Your things like your faith, your personality, your values are set in stone, and then you just coast. I'm embarrassed to say it was like mm, a little too late in my 20s when I started to freak out and realize, oh, that's not happening. This is going to be a lifelong thing, and I'm a little terrified, but also glad because at 20, 25, I was a little bit of a hot mess. I don't know if that's relatable. No. Okay, cool. Just me. <laughs> so I'm really glad that we're talking about this adulting series, um, mostly because I'm speaking on emotional maturity. And to do that in a community setting is really powerful because a lot of times we think of emotional maturity as something we do on our own. And what I mean by that is if I were to, say, get into a fight with one of you, an argument, and I were to use the word, you know what, grow up. That would not be an invitation to let's have a conversation. How do you feel? What are you thinking? It would be more of a, you go away, you deal with your stuff. When you're mature, come back and we'll talk about it. When you agree with me, then we can talk about it. And so we don't really think about how do we mature in community? What does that look like for all of us as a group here, especially at Cascade? We know that emotional maturity is not something that automatically grows with age. Instead, it's our responsibility to be introspective and to gauge where we're at with this. What does it look like? What are we aiming for? Who in your life is doing this really well? What do you admire most in that trait? So right now, I want you to close your eyes and conjure up the most emotionally mature person you know. Take a second. Think about who that would be. Do you have a picture of that person? So instead of my usual shtick of psychoanalyzing Bible characters, we're going to psychoanalyze that person you brought up in your mind for funsies. <laughs> um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I do want us to practice reverse engineering how someone got to that desirable place. 
What made them emotionally mature? What made you think about them? My guess is that it wasn't because they are flawless people who never mess up or are a little emotionally shut off. My guess is that when these people that you brought up in your mind mess up, they know how to make it better. They know how to fix it. They engage with the issue and the problem. They aren't ignoring it. They aren't um, just letting it settle. They're actively pursuing the way to fix the thing they've done. They are resilient people, typically, and that means they bounce back from their mistakes and they don't shy away from it. So these people might be a little more inclined at birth to have higher emotional intelligence. But what's interesting about emotional intelligence is that it's one of the types of intelligence that we can actually grow and expand on, whereas other types we aren't able to. And so why some people might be a little better than the average bear at this, this is something that we all can grow in. And that's really fun and engaging. So, I mean, fun for some people. For psychology people, yes. I just realized I said that, and maybe that doesn't sound fun to other people. <laughs> for me, it does. Um, so there's a woman named Robin Stern at the Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence. And that sounds like a legit place, so I feel like this quote seems solid. She said, emotional intelligence is being smart about your feelings. It's how you use your emotions to inform your thinking and how you use your thinking to inform your emotions. This means there has to be some awareness about our thoughts and our emotions, how they're working together, and how we are showing up in the world expressing that. So with this, we're able to make conscious choices about how we are with ourselves and with others. We aren't mature when we numb out. We aren't mature when we check out. Um, and I think we've all done that. I think the person that we're thinking of as our ideal of what emotional maturity looks like isn't someone who does that. Again, they, they show up, they engage, when they make mistakes, they know what they do, have to do to fix it. And they get better at it, that muscle gets stronger. And so I think for those of us who are, I don't know, people pleasers, don't like conflict, avoid it, this can be an area that we actually can grow in. And it's not actually that hard. It does require some, brave, some bravery, some courage, but it's not impossible. This is a really easy, like low-hanging fruit of way we can engage with this. Like Kurt was saying this morning, in our cultural climate right now, it's kind of bananas. There are clear lines of division, and things are really black and white. And so there always appears to be a side that you must pick, and the side you pick is, of course, the right side, and that's really childlike behavior. And for those of us who have children, we know that. We can see how that black and white thinking happens. If you've been around a child, if you've been a child, you remember how that works, that black and white thinking, that there's a clear yes and a clear no. Yeah, but we live like in a million shades of gray, so that's really complicated right now. I mean, all the time, but especially right now. The person that I conjured up when I think of emotional maturity is my friend Katie Coyle, and she's not here this week, so I can say this. <laughs> Just don't tell her. <laughs> Um, she'd be very embarrassed, but um, I feel like she comes up to me, uh, up to my mind, because she is the queen of living in the gray. If you have any questions about politics, religion, values, personality, whatever, she is the person you want to talk to about it. She can hold space for you for expressing things that you know maybe aren't the right things to say, but you just want to say them, and you kind of got to get them out. She can hold space without being threatened. And so 
from my own life, I feel like there were times when I would say, I have really black, white, I would know that I would have black and white thinking about my faith in particular. Am I a good Christian? Does a good Christian do this? Is this the kind of Christian I thought I would be when I grew up? Um, do I want to be a Christian? Right? Like, those are questions that aren't usually safe to ask in a church community, at least not the churches that I was raised in or have been a part of. And so, when we aren't allowed to talk about those things, we shut down, we get quiet, and we aren't practicing maturity on both ends. And so, I think that this whole series we're doing in adulting is so powerful because we are opening these doors, saying, this can be a place where we can talk about things that maybe aren't kosher Christian things to talk about. And it's going to be okay, because we can have the maturity to hold space for people to be curious. We don't need to be arrived. We don't have to be level playing, but we can be in different places and still be growing. So again, Katie is queen, but I think we all knew that already. I feel like for a lot of us, it's a really brave act to walk into a church even. For a lot of us, it can represent all the pain we've been through, all of the rejection. I think a lot of us have experienced that. Um, abuse at the worst. And it seems like a lot of people that I've talked to at Cascade can relate to that. A lot of people, because of this, are choosing not to come to church anymore because it doesn't make us feel good. We aren't happy going to church. It doesn't spark joy for us sometimes because we have all these wounds kind of percolating in our souls. So the trendy cool kids are calling this the deconstruction of our faith. That's you. (laughs) You are cool. Own it. Um, But we've talked a lot about this. That's why I'm picking on him. But this idea that we know a lot of people that are taking apart their faith little by little, that are saying, you know, this is my culture, this is who I am, this is what I'm a part of, but does that fit who I am right now? I agree with some of it, but not all of it, and I'm in this way, but out that way, and I can't talk about it because I know what will get me kicked out of this community. Not kicked out, but like maybe shunned a little, like ignored. I feel like a lot of times we're not even questioning God, we're not questioning our belief system, but we're expressing some fears around the ways we've been taught about God and the way that we're taught to engage with God as the only way. If you have questions about the way things have done, have been always been done, and you start to question those things, you stand to lose a lot. For some of us, if you've been raised in the church, your whole culture, your identity, you have no idea how much is saturated in this culture. And you can think about times when you've traveled to other countries and you've seen the way people do other things and you're like, that is crazy. Like, what? Like, you don't refrigerate your eggs? Weird. (laughs) I still think that's weird. I mean, but, right, like, those are things that pop up that would never pop up unless you stepped out of the culture. And so for those of us saturated in this culture, it's really... Like, what steps do you take to dismantle some of these thoughts? So, for instance, if I were to say, I don't know if I can do church anymore, as I know it, I'm not going to go on Sunday mornings anymore, because that is just, it's not fun. I feel a lot of pain and woundedness around that. What would I do for my Sunday morning? If I've been someone who's gone to church my whole life every Sunday morning, that's become an anchor point of my week. And so, if I decide that I don't want to do church this way, I might have a sense of, of loss around that. What about um, holidays, family traditions? 
am I gonna celebrate Christmas if I'm not really doing the church thing? Am I gonna be a, a, the worst a Christmas Christian? You know what I'm talking about, me. What if I still want to talk about spiritual things, but I don't feel like I can talk about these things with my non-Christian friends or my Christian friends? What if I'm stuck in this middle place of I need to talk about this stuff? I want to process, but I don't know what to do with that. I don't want to assume everyone in this room is in the same place with that or um, has experienced that, but I kind of assume that we all will experience this in the future. And I want you to know that if you're there, it's an okay place to be. Like, you can be, um, you can settle into this place. You don't need to fear these questions. And I think that, that Cascade's done a really good job of fostering a place where it's okay to unpack that stuff here. People have done that, they are doing that, and it's okay. And also to notice that it takes a lot of courage to even ask these questions or be in this space. And so maybe practice being proud of yourself or even having these thoughts and even engaging with this material because taking a step back from your culture can be terrifying, truly, because I, you can have an existential crisis. You can, you can think, I don't know who I am. And if anyone's had that kind of crisis, you know how terrifying that is. I don't know who I am. Who am I supposed to be in this space, in this season? And a lot of times we see this as a problem this is bad, this feels yucky, I don't wanna be here anymore. But what if we started to reframe this as, it is not spiritual immaturity to ask these questions, but instead, what if these questions we have are the path to spiritual maturity? And if that's true, this is a wonderful thing that is happening to us and for us. And the place that we're gonna end up because we're engaging with these questions is everything, it's gold, it's how we're going to move forward as a community. So the thing is, is that we don't need to fear these questions, but we absolutely have to have community when we are asking these questions and unpacking this stuff for us. So maybe your souls, your intuition, knows that this is exactly why you're here, at this church, at this moment, at this place in your life, and to notice that the healing for the pain that maybe you have from being in community, whether church community or other community, that healing can only come through community. And it feels a little sick and wrong, but like that's, that's kind of, that's it. So do we have maybe some outdated or unrealistic ideas of what a mature person, person looks like? Are we like my childhood self who thinks we're gonna arrive at a certain time and be sorely disappointed when we don't arrive? Or can we embrace that this instability might be leading us to further, to like a firmer foundation and a deeper, richer place with God? So we know the task of becoming emotionally mature doesn't involve perfection and it doesn't involve arriving. It does require humility and curiosity. Is there a different way to do life that might work better for you and those around you? Are there people who can help you get along a little further in this path? And most importantly, what would it take for you to feel safe enough to be vulnerable so you could level up in this type of maturity? A short checklist I have for what an emotionally mature person would look like is, number one, they have healthy and intimate relationships in their lives. And we might take this for granted, some of us, but there are so many people who can't point to one person they can feel vulnerable around. It's really sad, that's really disconnected, and I don't think that as 
anywhere near close to what God designed us for. People who are emotionally mature have really healthy boundaries. And that might mean different things for different people. For a lot of Christians, heads up, Christians can say no sometimes. This is a new thing for me in the past few years. You can say no, or you can say I don't like that, or I want to do something different. That's okay. So exploring, if you haven't touched on healthy boundaries, exploring that could be really a powerful thing. Another thing is they have empathy for others, even if they don't agree, and they can see in shades of gray. And so can you imagine in this political climate especially, if we were able to have kinder, gentler, more humble conversation around our beliefs and our values that are so important to us, what could that look like? Would that be the picture of like heaven coming to earth? I think it would be. And it's really hard to do that when you have such passion for your views and passion about what you believe is right. Maturity doesn't mean we have to let those passions fall. It does mean we have to open up space to talk about these things and to allow other people to, to disagree and to feel differently. That is such a huge challenge and that's a, a, like the ultimate of maturity though. And the last thing I have is that people who are emotionally mature can communicate their emotions and thoughts really well. So again, I think a lot of us, for me, I had this idea of a, like a mature Christian. So if I were to think like at my 20-year-old self, end of life would look like a mature Christian. I'd have the whole Bible memorized. I would have my morning prayer time would be at least seven hours by the time I'm an adult. Um, I would never have conflict, ever. I would be just like a glow around me, right? Who's going to test? I've got some ways to go on that. There's no glow. <laughs> I lost my place. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, communicating emotions and thoughts well. Communicating well, that's kind of ironic. But we don't have to silence ourselves or shut down to be mature. In fact, the opposite is true. Your voice is needed, your passion and your values and your ideas are so needed. They complete the picture for us all. And so when you shut down and you say, I don't want to engage, this is too much over it, wow, that's really sad. That's a hard place to be. And so I want you to think about ways in which you're already doing that in your life right now. Think of a relationship with a family member. I don't know, that you might have different political beliefs then. Is there a way that you could engage with that person from a humble place, from a place of I desire to understand you and love you even when, especially when we're disagreeing. Again, I feel like that's what heaven on earth looks like. It doesn't look like us all being the same and looking the same and being identical versions. And I think that's the pain point for a lot of churches is that when you come into church, you see, okay, is the casual church? Can we wear jeans to this church? Is this the, how do we do communion? How do we do all these things? Um, and we kind of lose ourselves in that sometimes if we're not careful. And so I think that Cascade's been doing a really great job of opening up space, of being curious and practicing what are ways that all people can show up in their full self and not have to conform to our idea of good Christian. So I warned you that I have an agenda, as I always do. Um, do not act surprised. You know where this is going. If you're interested in growing immaturity and want to accelerate it, there are so many options. Do you have friends who excel in this area? 
Could you be open to them and get curious? How do they excel in this area? Could you have a conversation about asking them if they could tell you, in what areas do you think I could mature in? And really be in a place where you felt that they were safe enough people that you could unpack that with them. Another path is to see a therapist. <laughs> you know that was coming. But there's also coaches, there's spiritual mentors. There are a lot of people who are doing this amazing work of creating space so that we can ask these questions in a way that isn't so scary. In this room, I've gotten to know so many of you, and I feel like there is so much giftedness and so much love and authenticity, it could blow the roof off of this place. And also, there's so much woundedness and pain that we aren't maybe allowing our love and our gifts to um, be expressed. The labels we have given ourselves, the labels have been given to us, they can be so loud that the quiet, small voice of love that asks us to show up, to be who you are all the time in this place, um, they can be, we, we don't hear those. Each of us are made in the image of God. We each hold a piece of who God is that only we can show. So why did you come to Cascade this morning? Why are you here? Why do you keep showing up? What do you need and what can you give? You, as your full self in whatever state you're currently in, is wanted and needed here. As I finish up, I wanted to offer up a verse that's been like a shifting verse for me. When I was younger, it meant one thing, and now it means a different thing. Um, when I was younger, it meant to stop sinning and be sinless. <laughs> and now it means, I'll just read it. Um, Hebrews 12.1 says, Since we're surrounded by a crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off everything that slows us down, holds us back, so that we can run with endurance the race that God has set before us. I'm hoping that as a community, we can keep having conversations about how we can show up as our true self and ways we can accept one another no matter what state we're in.